Welcome to the Coffee House Questions podcast. This is Ryan Polly, and uh, I'm excited to be here again. Today was a very exciting day for me. Um, I made the announcement last week that I had teamed up with Active Reliance Radio uh, to create a Coffee House Questions radio show, and today was the first day that it aired. And so uh, you can check that out, um, ActiveReliance.com or ActiveReliancecommunications.com. It's every Wednesday from 4.30 to 5. Uh, it'll be on. And so I'm very excited about that new opportunity and being able to partner with them and kind of get this message out to more people. And so it's also exciting. So it'll be, um, I will be on Active Reliance Radio from 4.30 to 5 on Wednesdays. And then I will do the live recording of the podcast from 5 to 5.30. And so um, if you're listening on Active Reliance Radio uh, and you're listening from 4.30 to 5, just know that when this ends at 5 o'clock, you can go onto the Coffee House Questions Facebook page and catch the live recording and be able to interact with me there. And so that's an awesome uh, thing that I have and, and just opportunity to kind of interact. And so I'm just excited to be able to get this message out and to be able to talk with more people. And so I'd also love to hear from you guys if you are listening on one of the other ways. I obviously can see who's following a, 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 on the Facebook page, um, but I'd also love to hear from you if you're you know listening on podcast or uh, on Active Reliance Radio. And so um, just want to kind of make that announcement. So anyways, um, today's topic I remember a few years ago uh, talking with someone and referring to Proverbs 22.6. And Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I remember talking with this person and saying, Look, Scripture tells us that if we train up a child in the way that they should go, then when they are older, they will not depart from it. And so my kind of assumption or, or my conclusion was that, hey, students are departing. Students are walking away from the church. They are walking away from the faith. And so, you know, if this proverb is telling us this and students are leaving, then that must mean that we are not training well or maybe that we're not training correctly. And so that was my assumption. And so I have thought recently about how can we train well. Now, what I have now understood is that I was misinterpreting this verse. And I think it is very important to talk about how to interpret correctly, especially when it comes to apologetics. Now, because apologetics is defending the faith. It's defending the things that we believe. And But the question is, is, is if we are not understanding what we believe, or if we don't understand what scripture is telling us, then it becomes a whole lot harder to defend it. And so I think that's why the study of hermeneutics or the study of interpretation is so important because it's possible that we are misinterpreting scripture, not understanding it correctly, and then we are defending the wrong thing. And so we need to defend things more accurately. Now, one problem that comes up when you begin to talk about the interpretation of Scripture is that it can be a very touchy subject for a lot of people. And the reason is, is that there are many people who misinterpret Scripture, but they do it with a verse that's very special to them. It's very important to them. They hold it very dear, and they hold that interpretation close. And so when you explained a correct interpretation, when you 
show that they might be taking that verse out of context, it can bring up some emotions and it can make some people upset because, man, that's the verse that they've been holding on to so dearly. And so this can be a touchy subject, especially for some of those verses. And, and, and they're very common. You know, th- these are very common when it comes to Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, Philippians 4, 13, right? These verses, you know, I can do all things through Christ. And, the, and a, lot, a lot of people say is, look, I can do all things, all that, everything, you know, and, and this is often taken out, you know, of context when it's applied to sports, you know, I can score touchdowns. Well, one interesting thing really quickly, and this is a little bit off topic uh, in a different verse, I mean, at least, but think about this when you, um, you you're sitting down to dinner with someone and they, and they say, uh, what do you want to eat? And you say, I'll eat anything. Now, by anything, do you really mean anything? What if someone took that, took your words, I'll eat anything, and they brought you a, a, you know, a pile of nails and said, well, you said you'd eat anything. I think most of us would respond, well, by anything, I meant anything that's food or anything that I know that we have in the refrigerator, right? If you go to Taco Bell or, or some restaurant and, and you say, hey, I'll have anything, well, you mean anything on the menu. You're not meaning anything in general. And so when we look at at least that verse, you know, I can do all things. Well, what is the all that he's referring to? And when we read it in context, there he is talking, Paul's talking about the fact that he can be content in all situations. And so I can do all things. I can be content in all situations. And then when it comes to things like, um, you know, in Isaiah, you know, 29, 11, or Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, when it says, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, we, we take these promises of God, we apply them to us when sometimes they might not be for us. And, and the way I normally explain this to my students is I say, you know, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three children. And if my, let's say before I am even born, my dad writes a letter to my oldest brother and says, hi, son. I love you. You're amazing. I promise that I will buy you a bicycle. And so let's say that I'm born years later and I find that letter tucked away in some drawer. And I walk up to my dad and say, dad, you owe me a bicycle. Look, you promised me a bicycle. You said, hi, son. I promise I'll buy you a bicycle. Where's my bicycle, dad? Now he's probably going to say, well, (laughs) that was not actually written to you. That was written to your brother. Right. That I wrote that before you were even born. It's not written to you. And now when I say this, normally people respond quickly and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying that none of the Bible is written to us. No. Well, no, God did write the Bible for us. There are things that do apply to us, but we have to take things in context and understand if it is a promise written to a specific group of people, we have to understand that. Now, there are things that we can learn about the character of God from his promises But to say that every single promise in Scripture applies to us, then we can easily be taking things out of context and not understanding. And so um, when I normally, you know, hear someone say, oh, Jeremiah 29, 11, that's for us. Well, it's interesting that we often take these verses that sound good. You know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And we say, yes, that's for me. But if we go 15 chapters later, instead of Jeremiah 29, 11, we go to Jeremiah 44, 11, 
It says, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will set my face against you for harm. Well, there's a promise saying, I will set my face against you for harm. I'm going to bring harm upon you. Now, none of us like to hold on to those promises. But if we're going to say that all promises in scripture apply to me, then we should take the bad ones as well. Now, we're not going to do that, and we don't do that, but, I, but it's important to understand this. Now, the, the verse I want to talk about tonight and now is, is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the first important thing that we have to understand when it comes to interpretation is of the Proverbs, the first guideline is that Proverbs are not legal guarantees from God. These are not promises. These are not legal guarantees. If you do this, then this will happen. Instead, it is a probable or likely truth, not an absolute. And and we see this all the time in modern day Proverbs, right? If you say, you know, uh, the early bird gets, what? It, now, I'm, now I'm forgetting what the problem is. The early bird gets the first worm, something like that. Does that mean that every single time you're the, you show up early that you're going to get the advantage? Well, no, it's a, it's a probable or likely truth, but it's not absolute, right? Or the other one, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Is it, do, do we really take that to mean that if I eat one apple a day, I will never go to the doctor? Well, of course not. It's trying to convey a truth that in general, if you eat healthy, you're probably going to go to the doctor less. And in the same way is that how we should read the Proverbs. They're not legal guarantees. They're not absolutes, but they're probable or likely truths. And so when we look at Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We first need to understand that this is not a promise, but it's a probable or likely truth. Now, taking this as a promise can cause some serious harm. And um, as I searched Proverbs 22.6 in the YouVersion Bible app, um, as I was, I was writing um, a paper on this uh, for my hermeneutics class, I, I wrote a biblical interpretation of Proverbs 22.6, and, and I looked to see, you know, what are people saying about this? So I went into the notes in the YouVersion app, and I didn't have to scroll far. One of the top notes in the app for this verse was, this is the lie that was told to my parents. And what I've heard before and what it seemed like this guy is saying is that there's a few ways to take this verse if we assume it to be a promise from God. Either one, how I understood it before, that this is a promise. And so if you train a child well, he will not depart. Well, students are departing. Children are departing. People depart from the faith. Therefore, we're not training them well. But another way is people can take it kind of like I did, but as that they were a failure, Right. If you're a parent now, I'm not. But if you're a parent and you take this as a promise and let's say your child does walk away from the faith, well, then it's wow, I didn't train him well. I am a failure. I'm no good. And we can take it. And that's destructive. Another way is we can call God a liar. And this is what I think that this person was doing on, on the Bible app. This is the lie that was told to my parents. Look, Scripture promises that if we train the children in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. I departed from it. Therefore, the God lies. And again, that can cause serious destruction and harm in people's lives when we understand it in that way. And so we first 
have to be so careful when we read these Proverbs that we understand that they are general truths. They're likely probable truths and not direct, absolute promises of God. And that's the first key to understanding these Proverbs. Now, the second thing I want to I talk about really quick, when we look at how do we translate and interpret this Proverbs, there's two different translations. There's two different, there's, there's a debate on how to translate it. And it's all in the first uh, part of the sentence where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Most translations will say, train up a child in the way he should go. However, there is debate where it said that that's not really in the Hebrew. And if you give a direct wooden translation, it will say, train up a child in his way. Even when he is old, he will not depart. So rather than in the way he should go, it's debatable that says, you know, train up a child in his way. Now, this is fascinating because let's look at both of these different translations. Let's first take the one that says train up a child in his way. This, if we understand it in this way, this is a warning to parents. Train up a child in his way, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Saying that if you train a child in his way, the way that he wants to do things, if you let him do what he wants, when he is old, he will keep doing the things that he wants. He will continue living things and doing things his way. Now, I think this one really hits home for me as a teacher because I think in my first few years teaching, one of the f- main things that was told to me is, man, you, you have to be kind of strict. You have to be stern with your rules. You can't let students get away with things because as soon as you start to let them get away with something, they're going to push the boundaries. If you allow students to do things their way, then they're going to keep doing it and it's going to drive you crazy. As soon as you let them start to slip, you have to be careful If you let students do things their way, then they're not going to depart from it. I think that that is so true when it comes to teaching. And so that was one of the first things told to me from the beginning. You can't let them go their own way. You can't let them do whatever you want. You have to set the rules in place and keep them to it. And they're going to try and push the rules. They're going to try and push you on it. But you have to stand firm. And and that's where I think that Proverbs 1 comes in. And so I want to jump quickly over to Proverbs 1. One, sorry, Psalms 1. When we look at Psalm 1, Psalm 1, 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, when you are doing biblical interpretation and hermeneutics, there's lots of different literary styles, uh, literary tricks, and, and grammatical things that you look for that help bring out what the meaning of a verse is. Now, one of the literary styles that... that we look for in verses is one thing that is called progression, that we see things progress. And this verse in Psalm 1, 1 has progression. It says, blessed in the man who walks, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so it starts with walking, then it goes to standing, and then it goes to sitting. And what this is talking about is walking in the way of wicked, standing in the way of sinners, and sitting in the seat of scoffers. This is a progression of sin. And how we become more comfortable and how we sometimes push those boundaries. And if we're not careful, we go from kind of walking by sin. You know, we kind of walk by, we glance at it, and we quickly say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And we pass on. 
But as we start to dwell on it, if we're walking by and we start to dwell on it a little more, we allow those thoughts to sink into our minds of, ooh, that sin looks tempting. Then we kind of might stand there for a second and think about it just a little bit longer. And then there are times where we can say, no, 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 I can't do this. And we walk away. However, there are those times where we're kind of walking up and we see the temptation, then we stop. We stand there. We allow that temptation. We allow that thought to continue on in our minds. And then we go one step further and we sit down and we participate in it. And so part of what, or one thing that this Psalm 1 is talking about is it gives us this progression of sin or this regression of, of be careful. Be careful in what you walk by. Walk by it. Don't stop. Don't let this sin, don't let these evil thoughts sit on your mind and dwell in these things. Because, hey, if you're walking by, you start thinking about it too much, you're going to stop. You start thinking about it more, you're going to sit. And that's when we fall into temptation. Now, I think that that relates to back to Proverbs 22, 6 in the sense of, hey, if this is a warning saying, train up a child in his way, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Let him do whatever he wants, and he's going to keep doing it. Then this same thing applies when we talk about Psalm 1, in that with my students... If I allow them to start doing what they want, then they're not going to depart from it. And they're going to keep pushing that boundary, right? You let them do one thing, then they want to do the next, then they want to do the next. And sometimes they kind of keep pushing that. And we have to be careful and not let them do whatever we want, right? When we have children, we, we, we see this a lot with young kids. If you, if you allow the young kid to whine and then you give them what they want... They quickly learn. It does not take long for a child to learn that, hey, if I throw a fit, if I whine, I'll get what I want. And then every time you tell them no, then they throw a little fit and you give in. They learn. And then they keep doing that when they're older. Then they think, hey, I'm in high school. If I just complain to my teacher, he'll change my grade. If I complain about this and they keep pushing that boundary, they, they learn and they, they stick to it. And so I think one way of taking this Proverbs 22.6 is not a promise, but a warning that if you allow a child to keep doing things his way, he's not going to depart from that. He's going to learn that way and is going to stick to it. Now, I think the second way of interpreting it is from the second uh, in, translation, which is kind of just the opposite, right? Again, it's still not a promise, but instead of train up a child in his way, it's train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart. Now, if this is it, then we see in the way. Well, what is the way that he should go? What is the way that we should train our children? And for that, we can look back to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now we see this again, right, in the New Testament. Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and sometimes it adds strength. Love God with all your heart. Love him with all of your emotions. Love him with all of your soul. Love him with your might. Love him with your mind. Think well about these things. Continue in verse 6. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach these commandments to your children. And when and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you... And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on 
your gates. Now, there's something also interesting that we see here in Deuteronomy 6. It says, teach them and talk about these things when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise, bind them on you. What this is showing us is, look, you, we have to be doing this 24-7. When you're sitting, talk about this. When you're teaching, talk about this. When you're walking, talk about this. When you're lying down, talk about these things. When you rise up, this comes out in every area of our lives. And so how do we apply this today? Well, one thing that you know we talked about in, in my class when we discussed this was, hey, when you're eating, when you sit, when you sit down for dinner, are we sitting down with our children? Are we sitting down with our families? Are we discussing these things when we're sitting? When we're having fun, how are we modeling this lifestyle of helping people understand the truth, of showing them Christ in every single area of our lives? And so again, this way of just sitting in your house, when you're lying down, when you're rising, when you're walking, teach the children the way of Christ. And so I think we can also say, back to Proverbs 22, 6, when I train up a child in the way in the way of Christ, train up a child when you're, when you're, when he is growing up, when you're talking, when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're playing, when you're having fun in every area of your life, show them the way that they should go. And that it is very likely, it is very probable, it is a likely truth that if you do these things, then when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Again, there are those chances. This is not an absolute truth that if you do those things, it will never, they will never walk away. And if we understand the Proverbs like that, then it can cause a lot of heartache like we talked about. But instead we understand, look, these, these are Proverbs. These are likely truths. These are good ways to live. We need to live by them. We need to take them to heart, understand them and apply them to our lives because there's a, there's a chance, it's a probably that this will benefit because these are the ways that God has commanded us to live. And so I think it's, it's just so important that when we are trying to learn how to defend the faith, right? That's the one thing I talk about. Most of my podcasts are on questions with, dealing with apologetics. You know, why does God allow evil? How do we know God exists? How do we know these things? And, and I deal with these things with my students all the time. But when, when you come back to a foundational level, there's kind of two questions. Is one, how can you defend something that you don't even know about it? But two, I think more so, why would you defend something that you don't understand? Right? If you're going to ask me about, you know, I, I was talking with our um, uh, chapel director, our, um, yeah, the chapel director at my school. And the campus pastor, and he was talking, he's from Korea, and he was talking about Korean baseball. Now, I know nothing about Korean baseball. I know nothing about it. And so if you had to ask me or you told me, hey, I want you to defend uh, the best team in in Korean baseball and the best team in Korea, or I want you to, you know, debate who the best team is, or I want you to go out and tell everyone about the best Korean baseball team. I'm just going to have no motivation to do that. There's no excitement. There's nothing in me that's like... Yeah, that's something I really want to stick up for because I know nothing. I really don't know any, I know nothing about Korean baseball, right? And so to think about having to defend it, it just makes no sense to me, right? But 
if you ask me to defend the Rangers or right, I'm going to have a little bit more uh, motivation to defend the Texas Rangers to defend. Right. I'm always ha- joking around with my coworkers, you know, living in Southern California and liking the Texas Rangers who are in the same division as the Angels and are always playing against each other. Or right now it's hockey season and I'm always talking about the Colorado Avalanche and I'm in Anaheim Duck territory, right? And so I have we have a great time, we're a fun time joking around and defending why I think the Avalanche are better than the Anaheim Ducks. However, even though that's important to me, I'm still not going to do it with a, as much excitement, with much passion. I'm not going to give my life for the Colorado Avalanche because, hey, whether they're the best team, the worst team, or maybe uh, you know they get sold and move to another state and they cease existing. That's not the end of my life, right? But when it comes to Christianity, right? When it comes to the thing that is the most important, the thing that is life or the death, the thing that will determine our eternal destiny, and we say, well, I don't really need to understand that. I don't. I don't really need to understand it. I don't need to know how to interpret it well. Right? I, I just read a Bible verse. Right? <laughs> Guys, never read just a Bible verse. We have to understand things in context. We have to understand things well. And so I just think, you know, in, in order to defend Christianity well, in order to stand up for the things that we believe, we first have to understand them. And I think one possible reason, now this is, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I think maybe it's possible that one reason why we don't go out evangelizing more. The reason why we don't have as much motivation to do apologetics, to get out there, to share information is the reason why we maybe don't have as much care for the lost and and concern for those people is maybe we don't understand what we believe ourselves. Is it possible that we don't have a solid understanding of what Christ's sacrifice on the cross means and how it played out or who Jesus really is? Or how we can even know that Christianity is true? How is it possible that that's why we're nervous? Someone might, might ask a question that I don't know, or maybe someone might know more than me. And it's fascinating that we kind of have these misconceptions. One last thing, kind of as we wrap up here, you know, it was fascinating. I, I, I've told you guys many times, and we always go over this, is that I do um, atheist role play in my, uh, you know, with, at different youth groups and stuff. And, and I did it in my classroom. And I, I think I might have mentioned this, but I did an atheist role play in my classroom uh, where I invited uh, Dr. Anderson, professor of philosophy from USC. And uh, what I did is I walked out of the room, took off my glasses and walked back in. And my students had a great time with it. But um, one response I got from students that I thought was fascinating is that they said, wow, I was shocked at how easy it was for Dr. Anderson to shoot down our objections. I was surprised at how knowledgeable he was. Now, granted, it was me. But what there, sometimes the assumption is, is, well, you know, someone's an atheist because, you know, they just don't want to follow God or they don't like God or they don't like his rules. And it's, and it's all an emotional thing. Now, and, it, and it's true that a lot of times it is emotional, uh, not wanting to follow the way of Christ, not wanting to submit our life to someone, not wanting to bow down or worship, right? And say, hey, I can't do this on my own. But there are intelligent atheists out there. There are people that are intelligent from other religions. And sometimes we don't realize that. Sometimes we think, oh no, they just reject it because they just don't want to. Um, And we're the smart people. And so I've kind of jumped around a lot tonight and just (laughs) the last few, few minutes shared some thoughts on my mind. But, you know, I think that's something that we really need to think about. One, 
it is so important to understand how to interpret scripture well. You know, it's fascinating as many you know times you say, you know, when I say, hey, I'm in hermeneutics class, people go, what's hermeneutics, right? What is it, right? It's the art of understanding, interpreting scripture that we, so that we really know what it is that God is saying. When is he saying it to us? If he's not saying it to us, how can we understand what he's saying? If, he's t- if it's to someone else, what can I learn from this? Right. And it's the fact that we and I talked about this last week when we with postmodernism is that we often ask the question, you know, what does this verse mean to me? You know, what do I get out of it? And that's what we sometimes think that is the most important. However, what we should be saying is, what does this verse mean? What is the meaning of the author? And then based on that meaning, then how can I apply it to my life? And that's how biblical interpretation and reading the Bible should be done. We first understand what is this verse saying? And then we ask, how does it apply to our life? And so when we look at Proverbs, understanding, look, these are not promises. These are not absolute truths. These are general application. And But when we look at this, this is more of a warning. Don't let them do whatever they want or else they're going to keep doing that. Or train them up in the way that God does it and there's a good chance they're going to stick with it. But it's still, we have the ability to choose and we need to continue to walk with people and help them understand the truth. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. I just want to remind you guys, wherever it is that you're listening, whether it's the Facebook page, whether it's on podcast, whether it's Active Reliance Radio, I'm just so glad you guys are joining me. I'd love to hear from you guys. Go to the Coffeehouse Questions Facebook page. Send me a message. Give me some content, some things to talk about. What's on your mind? What are the things that you're curious about and the things that you want to know? And I'd love to get that more of that interaction. Thank you to everyone who's joined me on Facebook. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, and God bless. This has been Ryan Polly with Coffee House Questions. Hey.